Hey everybody, so before we jump into today's podcast, I just wanted to A, thank you guys, give you a little bit of a reminder. If you enjoy this content, however you're watching it, consuming it, please like, follow, subscribe, whatever you gotta do, comment on it if you can. Leave us a review, it really helps us out and it can help grow our platform and reach more people. And if you know someone that can benefit from this, please share it with them. If you have a question, if you wanna reach out to us, let us know. And then lastly, we have all of our amazing programs, courses, and coaching available in the resources below. So check that out, definitely take advantage of it. We have everything from free options all the way up to paid programs and everything in between to fit pretty much anyone's budget. And it's just a matter of how customized it's going to be based on the price point. So there's really something for everybody. Thank you guys. Let's get on into the episode. Yeah, fighters. What's going on, everybody? It's Mike here. Episode 157 of the Life of a Fighter podcast. And today we're going to kind of jump around a little bit or... I should say jump ahead in the textbook. Um, Again, this is an episode where we're going to be covering some of the um, materials that I've been going over in the essentials of strength training conditioning from the NSCA, the National Strength Conditioning Association. Since I'm prepping for my certified strength conditioning uh, specialty, I wanted to just share that information as much as possible, not only for you guys, and I got to be honest, for a somewhat selfish perspective is I find it very effective from a learning tool capability and perspective of anytime I can regurgitate the information and explain it and share it with others, it kind of solidifies it in my own mind. So what we're going to be covering today is some examples and game plans for a variety of things. First, we're going to be looking at general training priorities, specifically looking at sports season and where we are in the season. Then we're going to be looking at um, movement-related resistance training exercises, as well as resistance training frequency based on the training experience and status of the individual. And then also look at some examples of common split routines and how we can break up those programs. So the first thing we're going to be looking at is, again, the general training priorities based on the timing of where we're at in the season. So what that basically means is for our athletes, anytime we're working with an athlete, we have to consider not only what the sport is, but where we're working with that athlete in relation to the season. So are we in off season? Is it preseason? Are we actually in season or is it postseason? And based on where we're at in the sports season, we're going to train differently as well as the volume is going to be different because there's only so much time in the day, right? We only have so many hours and only so many days in the week that we can focus on. And especially for skill-specific training for um, any kind of athletic endeavor, but specifically, again, our niche really here tends to lean towards fighters and and combat athletes or more contact-based sports like football, rugby, things along those lines, hockey, lacrosse, anything like that specifically want to be really mindful because of the natural potential injury risk during the season because it's a higher contact as well as the resistance training should be a nice complement to it and not really increasing the injury risk to go with it so first thing is um, general training priorities by sports season so let's look at the off season sport practice is tending going to tend to be a lower priority and resistance training should be a higher priority. So again, in the off season, when we're not actually prepping for a specific game matchup or the season itself, this is where we can make big gains when it comes to our resistance training and specific goals related to that. So whether that's a hypertrophy or muscular endurance or strength and power, Initially, though, um, our suggestions are going to be to focus on hypertrophy and muscular endurance and then progress and build up towards strength and powder later on in the offseason, getting closer towards the preseason. With that transition, in preseason, 
there's going to be a kind of balancing act of a medium priority for the sports practice and a medium priority for the resistance training. And that's where we're going to have more sport movement specific types of training and then also kind of shift it towards strength and power, but really kind of trying to mimic exercises that are going to match up well with the sport. So let me kind of shift gears for a second. And when we use these terminologies, off-season, pre-season, in-season, post-season, it's a little bit harder for fighters because there's no quote-unquote season. So we'll kind of sub these words in with um, out of camp, pre-camp, in-camp, and then post-camp. Same idea. So if I'm saying off-season, that means out of camp. If I'm saying pre-season, that means pre-camp. If I'm saying in-season, that means in-camp. And post-season, obviously post-camp. So let's define what that means to in a little bit more detail. Out of camp means obviously we don't have a fight on the horizon. We don't have anything specifically planned on the calendar. Pre-season or pre-camp would be normally it's going to be anywhere from a six to an eight-week, maybe a 12-week Uh, camp is usually the timeline. So if we know we're 16 weeks out from a fight, that might be the pre-camp prep for about four weeks leading up to a 12-week actual in-camp cycle. So with that being said, there's a nice transition. We're going from preseason or pre-camp to in-season or in-camp. So that the sport practice and the sport-specific training is going to be a way higher priority. So our resistance training is going to have to take a back seat there and be a little bit lower. So and the real objective here, the resistance training goal is maintenance of preseason training goals and also injury prevention. That's the biggest thing, especially I see for fighters and combat athletes or really contact sports in general is the focus and the balancing act of keeping ourselves healthy and preventing injury while simultaneously really getting uh, our sports skills dialed in. Now, there is some contradictory in the fight world when it comes to in-camp of some coaches believe that this is an opportunity to actually say, all right, we already have the skills. We've been working on different things. In-camp should be the focus on just performance and getting your body physically prepared as much as possible for resistance training and um periodization to perform come fight night, which like uh, the Steve Mariniches of the world and some people that have, like I'm a big follower of Joe Rogan podcast and uh, all the different kind of sub podcasts that kind of relate off of that. And he's had many guests on and they have conflicting ideas of some people will like to focus on the sports skills during that fight camp, like I was saying, but some like the Steve Mariniches and, and those people that have learned his programs, they want to focus on strength conditioning, making sure that you can be at your peak performance because at the highest levels, the UFC levels, the world champion levels. The thought process, we all know how to fight at that point. And at this point, even at my level, in my opinion, as a professional, obviously there's skills I can improve, but as a professional, I know how to punch. I know how to kick. I know how to move. The biggest thing is being injury-free and able to go every minute of every round and, and maximize and push the pace. Because I don't care if you're the most technical and skilled fighter, if you are huffing and puffing one to two minutes into the fight, you're already at a disadvantage. And it, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you can't keep your hands up or you can't keep the pace up, I'm going to overwhelm you. I'm going to overwork you. I'm going to drown you. And that's where the risk comes in. So again, going back to the end season, that's where we're trying to find the balance of at least what what they're recommending from the NSCA on a focus standpoint and a sports um, performance standpoint is really maintenance of the preseason goals. All the work out of camp or out of season should be established with strength and power, building up to the season, then transitioning from preseason, finding the balance of a medium shift of both skills and the resistance training. Now in season, very low resistance training. Maybe we're training less. And again, it's focusing on the injury profession. We're not making as many gains. And then postseason, so after the fight or after the season's over, it's going to be of a wider variable of change. And really in parentheses, they have active rest. So they're trying to really focus on the recovery aspect to it. So even resistance goals, not specific, 
It may include activities other than sports skill or resistance training. So for example, active recovery, things like um, going for longer walks, doing more manual therapy to break up any kind of scar tissue or injuries that may have happened during the season. So no matter how well your your season prep and fight camp can go, I'm going to guarantee you, you're going to have something come up. It never goes perfect. There's always a little injury or a major injury or you get sick or something always comes up. So being able to take the time after an event, after the season, after the camp to dedicate, even if it's a little two to four weeks to active recovery, to allowing your body to reset, especially for our weight-based athletes in the fight camp world or the fight world, having to dial up and down your weight, manipulate your weight has a drastic effect on not just your body, but your your endocrine system, the physiology of how your body's interacting with all that, and then it can perform. So allowing that is key that most fighters probably don't do unless they have that real good coaching like the Dr. Tony Ricci's of the world, the Dr. Camps, the, the Phil DeRue's. Those are the colleagues that I, I like to talk to and work with, and I'm actually really excited <clears throat> Excuse me, about going to an event with them. Um, I'm going to be going to a seminar in New York March 23rd to actually get some more of that information. So I'm really excited about that to talk to them about all the fun stuff that I'm covering in the book and also just things I've seen firsthand and what they've seen firsthand. We're going to have uh, a lot of great guests, it sounds like. Now, Mike Dolce is going to be there. Dr. Camp's going to be there. Dr. Peacock's going to be there. Dr. Tony Ricci, Phil DeRue, all these guys. And if you don't know them, um, I actually have a podcast with Dr. Tony. I have multiple podcasts with Dr. Ricci, but a couple with Phil DeRue as well. And Phil DeRue is the American top team head strength coach, Dr. Tony Ricci, professor at Long Island CW Post, as well as working with pretty much all the premier UFC and combat athletes in New York, um, strength conditioning coach for... Uh, Ray Longo's fighters for Chris Weidman, his team, um, and Weidman Longo's gym, all that fun stuff. I'm not going to go too much in details, but again, that's where you want to really be able to learn and pull from. <clears throat> and that's what I want to share with you all in those experiences. Okay, so we got that down. We got some general training priorities by sports season. Now let's look at some related resistance training exercises that match some of the movement patterns in each individual sport. So for example... If we're looking at ball dribbling and passing or handling, we're going to want to work um, close grip bench press, dumbbell bench press, tricep pushdowns, reverse curl, hammer curl. So we're working arms and the hinging and all the movements around our arms and the shoulder joint. Because again, when we're handling the ball and passing, you're going to have to use your arms, you're going to have to use your biceps, triceps, forearms, shoulders, all those muscles become a really important skill for sport-specific purposes. Now we look at ball kicking, and where I'll kind of translate that for fighters is this is also ball passing is similar to punching. So that's where there's some kind of crossover there. So the same exercise can be applied. Ball kicking, also we can make that analogy, you're obviously not kicking a ball, but the similar movements will come in handy for obviously kickboxers or MMA or striking in general when we have to use our legs legs and our hips to strike. And we're working here, unilateral hip abduction and adduction, single leg squat, forward step lunge, uh, leg extension or quote unquote knee extension, and then leg raise. These are all related exercises and movements that are going to be beneficial for kicking and ball kicking. Um, Then we go into freestyle swimming. So a little bit more uh, upper body uh, related. And and specifically having presses, including start and turn. So that's a really interesting part to swimming from my, again, I'm obviously not a high level swimmer, but I have swam before and just working with swimmers. There's not just the um, mid water aspect to it, meaning you're in the middle of your lap. It's actually your takeoff and your initial turn. Those become really important in time savers. And there's a way to leverage that, not just from technique, but actually from a muscular standpoint, the physiological standpoint. So whether it's pull-ups, lateral shoulder raises, forward step lunge, 
upright row, barbell pullover, or a single leg squat. Those are all going to be huge benefits for freestyle swimming. And we look at vertical jumping, which is going to be a really big component for combat athletes, but also pretty much all athletes that have to be explosive, but obviously really basketball, wide receivers and football, um, but specifically for fighters, especially on um, double leg takedowns in wrestling, or even just really explosive kicks, vertical jumping becomes huge. So snatches, power cleans, push jerk, back squat, front squat, and standing calf, quote unquote, heel raise. Um, those are going to be huge as well. And there's a couple other ones here, but I'm going to jump ahead um, to running and sprinting, which is even in fighting, we're not necessarily running and sprinting, but the crossover benefit from the movement pattern is going to be huge as well as throwing and pitching similar to again, throwing strikes and um, punching. So for running and sprinting, snatches, cleans, front squats, forward step lunge, step up, leg extension, leg curl and toe raise or dorsiflexion. And then for throwing and pitching, lunge, single leg squat, barbell pullover, overhead tricep extension, shoulder rotation, both internal and external. So again, these movement patterns are going to be um, extremely beneficial for the sport-specific goals or the actual individual sports. Again, these aren't actually sport-specific movements, but they're mimicking those movement patterns and the ways we can actually, as strength coaches, incorporate that into our programming and challenge them and obviously load and strain the muscles to an extent where it's going to give us the um, response that we want. It's going to elicit that response, but not also overwhelm and overtrain at the same time. So we're finding that balance. And that's where we use the prior mentioned um, timing in the sports season to know what we're focusing on, which will dictate the sets and reps and how many times we're training those throughout the week. And that kind of leads nicely into the next um, kind of topic I wanted to cover of uh, resistance training frequency based on training status. So obviously, if we're a beginner versus an intermediate or advanced, we're going to train at different volumes and frequencies because of how much the body can handle and what it's been prepared for. So for that, beginners are typically going to be recommended two to three sessions a week for strength training intermediate three to four and then advanced four to seven so for these sessions it doesn't mean that you have to be at a high high level of 85 percent of your one rep max and all that there's ways that you can work a heavy load day on one of those days a light load day and an intermediate load day on other days and rotate it and obviously you have to listen to your body but having these splits becomes crucial so again beginners can work um, two to three sessions per week one of those days could be a heavy day and the rest could be light and Again, this is not just um, when we're talking about quote unquote beginner, not in your sport, but when it comes to resistance training as well as in your sport. There's a combination of both we have to be aware of because you may have a great skill and be playing your sport for a long time, but if you've never resistance trained, obviously your body's going to respond differently and we potentially could have an injury risk there. If we just say, okay, you've been training in your skill for 10 years, but you never lifted a weight because you've been doing it since you were six and now you're 16, and I throw you to four to seven training sessions a week, that's going to be way too much potentially, especially with a heavy load. So we have to be very, very mindful of that. Last thing I wanted to cover, I'm going a little bit over, but I, I thought all these topics were really good, is the examples of common split routines based on what we just talked about, how many times a week you can train and how we're going to split up our body. So with that being said, so let's say we have two training days a week that we're going to work. We're going to have a lower body and an upper body split, and we're going to repeat that for four times per week. That's one option. So for example, the week could look like this. Sunday's rest, Monday's a lower body workout, Tuesday's an upper body workout, Wednesday's a rest day, Thursday's a lower body workout, Friday's an upper body, and Saturday's a rest day. That's one split. Second option we could look at is splitting up the body, not just an upper and lower body, but we're actually separating from push movements, 
pull movements for the upper body and then a lower body split. So we have three days there. The first day is a push movement. So we're doing chest, shoulder, and triceps. Second uh, training day is lower body. And then the third training day is back, trapezius, and biceps. So more of a pull movement. So again, that week could look like this. Sunday is rest. Monday is going to be our push movements. Tuesday is going to be our lower body. Wednesday is going to be our upper body pull movements. Thursday is a rest. Friday goes back to our upper body push movements. Saturday is a lower body. So that's five days of training a week. That's how you can go from four to five. And now we'll show you what six days could potentially look like. So again, we'd have a three-day split now. And we're going to have it where it's now alternating on the same day of upper body, chest and back. So push, pull again. But now it's um, being broken up to just specifically chest and back. Then we go to a lower body split for our second day. And our third day is going to be shoulders and arms, which are more auxiliary and accessory movements. So Sunday could look like this, chest and back. Then Monday's lower body. Tuesday's shoulder and arms. Wednesday rest. And then we repeat that cycle one more time. So if you notice, what's interesting about these splits is there's only really anywhere from one to three rest days worked in. But even when we look at the first split on uh, if we're doing Monday lower body, we're not doing lower body again until Thursday. So that gives 48 hours of rest between those lower body sessions. And then simultaneously on the second lower body day on Thursday, there's another three day rest window until the next lower body on Monday. So even though we're, all, we're not necessarily resting um, more than three days, there's windows of time for longer rest periods to exist between our workouts. And the better example of that's actually if we're training six days a week, uh, we're working our chest and back on a Sunday, and then we're going to do it again on a Thursday. So that gives us three days of rest in between before those same muscles are worked again. And we're only taking one rest period. So technically, even though there's only one rest period, we're being efficient with the amount of time we have to work with. And we're also giving enough time of rest for those muscle groups so they're not going to be overworked. And obviously, this is all dependent on the athlete, how they're responding. We still have to calculate resistance and loads and the frequency behind that. But this is just how the common splits could be laid out and just some examples. There's obviously way more variety to this, but this is just one example I wanted to share with you all. I hope you guys enjoyed um, again, I went a little bit over. I usually try to stick it to 10 to 15 minutes. We're at 20 almost, but yeah, there's really good stuff. And I kind of changed the routine and we're going to kind of just be jumping back and forth. Um, again, if you guys have questions, always feel free to reach out and until next time, guys, peace. So I just wanted to say thank you guys again for watching, listening, consuming that episode. If you guys enjoyed it and you haven't already, please like, uh, please comment. If you haven't reviewed, please leave a review. If you haven't followed or subscribed, please do that as well. Again, it tremendously helps us out. And then just a quick reminder, if you guys want more resources, we have them below. We have our programs, everything from free all the way up to paid and kind of everything in between. Dial in with the customization and we have more information on different programs and resources in our newsletter. So if you haven't signed up for that, do so below. It's free and that is it y'all. See you on the next one.